everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony Andraki here with Andy Martinez. And Andy, we have there's been a bunch of moves that have been made already this offseason. So we're kind of at the point, Cubs Convention's coming up. Let's evaluate what this roster looks like right now, what the lineup looks like, and then how how good, how much better, I guess, this Cubs roster is right now than how the end of the season ended. So I'll pitch it to you first. Do you have an idea of what the opening day lineup looks like right now? There may still be moves to be made. There may be trades or other additions or whatever else. But as of right now, here we are in, what, January 9th. What does the Cubs lineup look like to you? Yeah, you mentioned there might be some minor moves. I think in those minor moves, they might come in the bullpen, some depth, things like that. I think for the most part, the picture's pretty well complete. If you, if you want to do an analogy and you're painting a picture, you're putting the final touches right, you're coloring in the, the shadows and then the different things like that. The lineup's pretty pretty well set. So I, I made a you know one through nine lineup as I think it would be Nick Madrigal leading off and DHing for the Cubs. We saw him a lot at leading off yeah. when he was healthy for the Chicago Cubs. He obviously makes a lot of contact. When he does make contact and he's healthy, he can get on base with his high average. That's what you kind of want in a leadoff hitter. And I know your your initial thought would be to go with Nico Horner, but David Ross really likes him lower in the lineup. He really succeeded in that six-hole lineup, so that's why I kind of lean towards Nick Madrigal, DHing and uh, leading off. I think it gives the Cubs the best middle infield defense, too, with Nico Horner at second base. Dansby Swanson hitting second, sh- playing shortstop. I think that was a no-brainer. I think if you give Nick, Nick Madrigal a day off, you can lead off with Dansby Swanson. Ian Happ batting third, breaking uh, break it up a little bit between left, right, left, right. Uh, Suzuki fourth, Bellinger fifth, Horner sixth. Uh, Eric Hosmer reportedly agreed to, to terms with the Cubs playing first base, but had, hitting seventh. Patrick Wisdom hitting eighth at third base, and then Tucker Barnhart or Jan Gomes batting ninth. That's kind of how I, I mapped it out from a, from a lineup perspective. I think the big key to me in that situation and something that you wrote about on MarqueeSportsNetwork.com is the defense and the run prevention yeah. is huge in that in that one through throughout that one through nine. Yeah, I mean, I think defense is going to be paramount throughout the the entirety of this season. It, it's it's obvious just based off their moves. You get the reigning Gold Glove at shortstop in Dansby yeah. Swanson. You get multiple Gold Gloves in Tucker Barnhart. Four Gold Gloves in Eric Hosmer. You know his defensive metrics have been. A, um, I don't know if suspect's the right word. They, they've maybe taken a bit of a step back, it looks like. But again, defensive metrics, it's really hard to evaluate yeah. that. At the very least, this is a four-time Gold Glove winner at first base who will stabilize the defense there. And at essentially a league minimum contract, it's a very, very low-risk move for the Cubs yeah. and adds another left-handed bat like you talked about in the lineup too. So I think Hosmer does add quite a bit. And then Cody Bellinger has won a gold glove. He won it playing mostly right field, but he's been a very, very good defender in center. So yeah, just all around. And then the trickle-down effect of Nico Horner playing second base. Mm-hmm. To me, I think the defense is like, I, I would say it's probably an A-level defense, like yeah. a letter grade. And I think it does have the possibility of A+. And I think that big part of that is third base. You know, if it's Morrell, if it's Wisdom, Zach McKinstry, whoever else. And then Seiya Suzuki, who has been a decorated defender in Japan. We we saw, I think, snippets of it in, in yeah. 2022. But, like, if he gets more comfortable playing American ball, playing at Wrigley Field, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a gold glove quality year. So I think this could be an A-plus level defense. Yeah, and to that point, Seiya Suzuki playing right field at Wrigley Field, which is arguably one of the hardest right yeah. fields to play in the major leagues. So you're adjusting to that, and then you're playing right field. It'll be tough for him to win a Gold Glove because Mookie Betts is still playing right yeah. field in the, for the Dodgers. But I think he definitely, you know, if he continues to improve, 
could play that level. I want to touch on something that you said about Eric Hosmer. I think the big thing about Eric Hosmer is he elevates the offense from first base. When you think about first base offense, it's production. It's it's someone that can that can produce and hit and hit for average, hit for power. The Cubs haven't didn't have that last year. I think their weighted runs created plus off the top of my head was 86 from the first base position. That's 14 points below league average. Eric Hosmer was at 102, I think, I believe, was his weight to run. 108, maybe? Yeah. yeah. So he was just above league average. That's the big thing that to me that stands out about the first base position with Eric Hosmer is it elevates the offense. It raises everyone above, the, above that. You don't have to try and see if you can maybe get that 86 or 90 weighting runs created. Plus, you're getting league average, and it's elevating the rest. If you add a, a league average or better bat at the bottom of your lineup, that lengthens your lineup tremendously and, and gives opposing pitchers a, a little bit of a fit. What about adding him at the top of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, that's that's not bad, too, either. So I asked you what your lineup prediction would be. So mine actually starts with Eric Hosmer leading off. And it's a, it's interesting. I mean, it's not something that he's done much of, and it's definitely against type even in today's you know day and age where it's more about on-base percentage. Eric Hosmer and first baseman are not typically guys that are leading off still for the most part, but I think he makes a lot of sense there. Like, he has a 336 career on-base percentage, the last couple of years, he's been right in line with that. So it's a guy that definitely gets on base a lot. Like you said, Nick Madrigal, I mean, he's he's right around 330 career on base as well. Obviously, last year was even less than that. He dealt with injuries. He dealt with some ineffectiveness early in his Cubs career. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And to be honest, I think that lengthens the lineup a bit as well. So, like, I got Eric Hosmer, one, and then the, the next part of it looked really similar to yours. So Dansby Swanson, two, Ian Happ, three, Seiya Suzuki, four, Cody Bellinger, five. Nico Horner, six. Patrick Wisdom, seven, DHing. And then I had the catcher tandem, Barnhart and Gomes, hitting eighth. And then ninth, I had uh, Christopher Morrell, Zach McKinstry, a tandem playing third. Kind of resets the lineup, too, as the nine holes. We saw what Joe Madden did that uh, when he was here. Yeah, no, exactly. That, that was what I was thinking, especially, too, because both Morrell and McKinstry had a lot of experience leading off when they played, mm-hmm. especially down the stretch. McKinstry and, and Madrigal, I think, led off more than anybody else. Those two in at Ortega, really the last two months of the season. And Morrell, for about a month there, stabilized the Cubs lineup yeah. hitting leadoff. So I think those two guys have both, you know, they've proven that they can play third base. And they are versatile athletes. So, like, right now there's not really a position for them to play besides third base. So I think those two are, are options, like you said, turning the lineup over. But to me, I like the Hosmer aspect up top because... Like you said, I think conventional wisdom, Nico Horner leading off. A lot of people have seen that. Right. Um, I think Fangraph's lineup projection had that as well. I don't think the Cubs like that that much. And, no. and to your point that you said earlier, I don't think David Ross likes that as much. Nico is a 330 career hitter, 855 OPS with runners in scoring position. That gets even better with two outs and runners in scoring position. He's hitting 392 with a 970 OPS in his career. Yeah, that sounds like a guy that you want behind like your top three or four hitters who get on base the most. So like hitting in the five or six spot seems perfect to me for Nico. Yeah, I remember I, I can't remember if it was 2021 or 2022, but he had an at bat against Josh Hader when they played the Brewers, and it was a, a eight nine pitch at bat that he just fouled off pitches. That's the kind of a bat you want in those moments, yeah. and when you have that in the sixth spot, I think it it opens up a lot of things. It creates some runs. It it, it opens up things for for the for the offense. There's a, there's a lot of great marks in terms of defensively, and I think it helps with the rotation. I want to kind of jump up to the rotation, but you look at some of the guys that are that are on this potential opening day rotation. Marcus Stroman, high contact guy. Kyle Hendricks, if he's healthy, high contact guy. You have you add that defense, that elevates their game. Maybe 
you, you might think if they have league average defense, their ERA goes up a little bit or they're mm-hmm. working a little harder because they're not getting the outs they would get with, a, with an elite defense. Having that defense behind them elevates their game and, and really elevates the rotation. And, and getting back to the core principle of it prevents runs and, and allows the, the, the Cubs to win games that way. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, even Jamison Tyone yeah. and bringing back Drew Smiley, like these are guys that get decent amount of strikeouts, but they they pitch to their defense as well. Yeah. And, you know, Justin Steele is probably the only guy of the rotation that may average more than a strikeout in an inning. But the best version of Steele we saw was using his fastball early in counts and getting early out, which mm-hmm. meant a lot of ground balls, a lot of weak content, a lot of weak contact. And like your point, that that infield turning these balls, these weak ground balls into outs. Adding Danzu Swanson obviously improves that. Moving Nico to second improves that as well. Like, I think Madrigal showed pretty well at defense last year, yeah. but he's not Nico Horner at second right. base. And McKinstry had some nice plays. I remember one game he was phenomenal at second base. Morell as well. Like They're not Nico Horner. So now yeah. you have, in my opinion, this is the best middle infield in Major League Baseball with Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner, both gold glove caliber type defenders. You take away the shift, like these are – two of the best athletes that if I'm pitching, if I'm Stroman, if I'm Hendricks, whoever else, I think this defense and specifically that middle infield elevates that pitching staff. Yeah, and I think Madrigal, you know, if Nico Horner needs a day off or Dansby needs his day off and you can move Nico to shortstop, Nick Madrigal can play second base. I don't yeah. think that's a question at all. I think the, the, the difference is you're elevating it from here to here. You're elevating it tenfold in terms of defensive production. That's huge. That's, you think about it in the minutia, a ground ball to the, to the, to the hole in, in second base that maybe Nico Horner gets that Nick Madrigal doesn't get. That's an out. That saves your pitcher a couple pitches. That means he can go a little bit deeper. That means you're rely- you're not relying on your bullpen as soon. You're allowing to go deeper into games, and you're 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 maximizing the efficiency of your whole roster, really. Yeah, I mean, and we brought up Nick Madrigal a couple of times. I'm kind of curious. I I still he's the one guy on this roster right now that I am just kind of baffled yeah. as to how exactly he'll fit in. And like you said, maybe it is DH, and he's not a prototypical DH for sure, but he's a high-contact, probably high-average guy when he's going well and could hit at the top of the order. That makes some sense. Like you said, spelling you know, Nico Horner at second base or Dansby at short and Nico moves over to shortstop, like that works as well. But to me, I, that seems like a guy that maybe is playing two times a week right now. And yeah. injuries will happen, we're not entirely sure. But the last couple of years, Dansby Swanson has missed two games total, I think. Yeah. And I think, honestly, even since the start of the 2020 season, because he played every game in 2020 as well. So he's missed two games total. So you're talking about not, you probably don't need much time there unless you know bad, bad injury luck strikes. Nico Horner relatively stayed relatively healthy last year. I just don't know where Madrigal fits mm-hmm. overall. He's not a third baseman. I don't think they're going to sacrifice up the middle defense and move Nico to third. So I don't know where Nick Madrigal's fit is in 2023 more than playing a couple of times a week at like DH or pinch hitting. And I think the other thing too is, is, is health, right? There's a lot of questions yeah. about can he stay fully healthy? He hasn't done it. But to that point, I guess my, my answer to that has always been that was the same situation Nico Horner was in just last year, right? Mm-hmm. You, you thought, can he even stay healthy? Can he even stay healthy? Now you're penciling him in as you know, arguably the, the best middle infield in baseball because he was able to stay healthy. I think for Nick Madrigal, the addition of having a full offseason with the Cubs with no lockout where he's able to have contact with trainers, he's able to go through a full offseason regimen, should help him in being able to stay healthy. And maybe that... A lot, only playing two games, two game, two times a week or three times a week, allows him to stay healthy and allows him to play longer and be more effective. Maybe he forces his hand too, right? If he's playing those two yeah. or three games and he's going two for three every time, you got to find a way to keep his bat in the lineup. 
that's that's what the Cubs are hoping for, that it creates a good problem and a ripple-down effect in terms of the offensive production. Yeah, and that is where I think the DH helps out, is that mm-hmm. even if Danger Swanson plays 160 games this year, maybe he plays 15 at, at DH and gets yeah. kind of a half day off, and Nico plays shortstop. So you're right. I think there are Nick Madrigal can play his way into the lineup more. That's an opportunity. But also I think that you're talking about a guy like this I, – coming off the bench as a pinch yeah. hitter, I think would definitely be an asset for David Ross as well. But, you know, not the, not exactly the type of role that we envisioned yeah. for, that when, anybody envisioned for Nick Madrigal when he was acquired in Craig, you know, in the deal for Craig Kimbrell, sorry, uh, in the middle of 2021. So definitely are like a weird career path so far, I think. The Dansby Swanson move obviously has a has a huge effect on him. Mm-hmm. So it'll be something I think Bears watching for sure in spring training. What does he say about it? What does David Ross say about yep. it? How do they deploy him even in the Cactus League games? It's somebody that I'm going to be watching a ton. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you talked a little bit about the rotation. I think we're both probably in agreement. If Kyle Hendricks is healthy, that first of all, that's a huge if it, right yeah. now. It is. He, he had a capsular tear in his shoulder last season, missed the entire second half, and pretty much all uh, of July as well. So uh, definitely very difficult for him if he does come back. He focused on trying to become you know healthy and, and have a full offseason. Assuming he's back, Stroman, Tyone, Steele, Hendricks, and Drew Smiley, I think, are the five guys in the rotation. Did you have any variation of that? Yeah, I had uh, Adrian Sampson as if Hendricks is not there. That was the other guy that I think Adrian Sampson, I believe he's out of options. He would be, barring something injury or really tough performance in spring training, I think he could be a long long relief guy or multi-inning weapon that like we've seen Keegan Thompson kind of serve in too. I think Keegan Thompson will be in that role too. But I think Adrian Sampson, just the way he pitched in the second half, has earned at least a look in spring training and probably at least on the opening day roster in some capacity. Agree with you. I think Stroman or Tyon will be opening day. Then the next one will be the other one. And then Smiley Steele and then Hendricks or, or Samson to round out the rotation. Yeah, and I do think that Hendricks' health situation in spring training will bear watching, of course. Yeah. Uh, Samson is an interesting case because he's pitched very well the last two years when he's had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I He's pitched all right out of the bullpen, too. I've, most of what we've seen him has been in the rotation. So I'm curious if he doesn't crack the rotation because Hendricks is healthy, how Samson may uh, deal with with an adjustment to the yeah. to the bullpen as a multi-inning role. But we know Keegan Thompson and, and Adbert Alzelay have been effective in a multi-inning role out of the bullpen. Two guys that, honestly, I could see them matching up at the end of the bullpen, yeah. depending on who David Ross has or you know, if he wants to give a full reset, say maybe Marcus Stroman goes six innings and Keegan Thompson takes the final three or something like that. And yeah. he might pick up a save here or there because of that. But also just based off of matchups like Adbert in pockets of right-handed hitters, Keegan, if you want to hit, you know, throw him two innings for maybe a two-inning save, I could see both of these guys kind of factoring in to the ninth inning uh, in just an unconventional way. And then you have Brad Boxberger, Brandon Hughes as well. I think those four guys could be in the mix right now for for saves, but also just pitching some of the higher leverage innings at the back of the bullpen as of right now. They may sign somebody else, but right now this is what I'm looking at. Yeah, that's what I had too. And I, I think the big question mark is what they do in free agency. Since 2020, we've really seen them be able to kind of get these reclamation projects, if you want to call them that, get them in the bullpen, have success. And I think that's something that we will continue to see going into 2023. I don't think that the bullpen is totally set in stone by any means. I think, like you said, Adbert like Keegan Thompson, Brad Boxberg, and Brandon Hughes are probably the four that for sure have spots locked down. Maybe Rowan Wick, probably just because he's, I think he's out of options too. So I think those five maybe pencil in. 
you still got a, at least three spots uh, in yes. that in that situation, two or three spots in that situation. It becomes interesting. There's a lot of in-house options, right? Man, Manny Rodriguez, we've seen his, well, how his stuff plays. Jeremiah Estrada, his stuff plays too. They claimed Anthony K off waivers, a lefty. They, I, I think ideally they'd like to add another lefty arm in the bullpen if possible and not just have Brandon Hughes. Uh, and right Mark, now it's just K and Hughes on the 40-man, 40-man roster in right. terms of lefties. So, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Mark Leiter Jr., who pitched well out of the bullpen, that's another guy. But it, it's really a lot of question marks as to how the bullpen rounds out. If you want to go on the in-house option, clearly they have plenty of guys that they can give looks to. But if your goal is to compete, you kind of need that veteran help. Someone that can, has pitched in high leverage situations, that can pitch in those moments, that they can have success in those moments and, and kind of continue to teach some guys like Brandon Hughes how to how to do it effectively at a major league level. Yeah, it'll be different for sure in the bullpen, like when the Cubs are in a playoff chase. And yeah. obviously that could be this year. But a lot of these guys, almost everybody that you just mentioned, has not pitched out of the bullpen in a playoff race. Yeah. Like Rowan Wick has... Uh, obviously, Brad Boxberger is new. He has, but a lot of the other guys have not really. And Keaton Thompson was pitching out of the bullpen early in tw- the 2022 season. Cubs were obviously still in it and, and trying to compete and stuff like that. But for most of these guys, I mean, Brandon Hughes was closing when the Cubs were were not contending, you yeah. know, and after the trade deadline. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see like how that plays out. And then just relievers are volatile. Like there's yeah. volatility in the bullpen from year to year. Cubs feel very confident in it. They have a lot of in-house options, like you said. I expect them to probably add some more. Just even guys like we know all the guys that have worked out, the Andrew Chaffins and Ryan Taperas and David Robertson, Chris Martin. And then some like guys like Brandon Workman, who they had a couple years ago, yeah. who didn't work out. I expect that they'll probably take flyers on some of those type of guys to come into free agents, or sorry, to come into spring training and see if they can kind of get back to who they were as veterans pitching late in the bullpen. And we've already seen that, right? They claimed Rowan is Elias from off waiver or signed him to a minor league contract. There's a couple, Eric Stout, who pitched for them a little bit, Ryan Barucki, guys that can theoretically, you know, if they pitch well in spring, they can, who knows, we might see them break, break camp with them. I think there will be plenty of options like that. We, we've seen it in the past and, to your point, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, Chris Martin has, has had some success, but a lot yeah. of those guys, before they got to the Cubs, they were not household names. They, they became household names here at the Cubs, with the Cubs, and we've seen them talk about, the Cubs talked about how they want the, to get the guys on the upswing, right? They don't want to buy them when they're at their peak. They want to get them on their upswing to, to get them to that level. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break here in the Cubs Weekly Podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk about this roster, but really how they can compete or how close they are to competing right now with all the moves they've made this winter. So take a quick break here real quick. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? I'll take a $300. $300. Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. All right, Andy, we've talked about our, what our lineup looks like, what the rotation with the bullpen might look like. How much better is this Cubs team right now than when they finished the 2022 regular season? I think they're significantly better. I think we, we look at how they finished the second half of 2022, 90-win pace. Are they a 90-win pace team as is? Maybe not. I think... There was some luck and some some just things that went their way in, in the second half of 2022 that allowed them to, to play at a 2020 or at a 91 pace, but I think they're definitely at least a 500 team as stands. 
And as we saw with the expanded playoff formats, that puts you in the conversation of a, of a playoff spot. Am I saying right now that they're just going to be in the playoff, shoot the pencil them in for the playoffs? No, I think there's still some work that needs to be done. You need to see some improvement, right? Can Justin Seal continue to continue that upward trajectory that he's been on? Can some of these guys stay healthy? Those are the big things because if they don't do that, then then it's they're, they're no better than they were last year. Yeah, and I think I agree with you completely. I mean, right now I, they were 74 and 88 last yeah. year. I, I'd say reasonably just based off of the talent they added, 12 wins feels very reasonable, and it doesn't feel extreme. So 86 wins for next year. Considering the fact that really they lost Jason Hayward, who didn't play much of, of last season mm-hmm. anyway due to injury, Wilson Contreras, you know, but then replacing with Tucker Barnhart, who and, may be better defensively also. And Wilson Contreras didn't play a lot in 2021 because he played a lot, or excuse me, 2022, played a lot in the first half and was an all-star. But yeah. the second half of 2022, when they went on their run, he missed a lot of it with the, with the ankle injury. So it's, it's yep. kind of like you already saw a little preview of, what life without Wilson Contreras is like. For sure, and I think the Cubs feel confident with the Barnhart-Gomes catching tandem mm-hmm. defensively and game-calling working with the pitching staff. Offensively, you obviously want to replace yeah. Wilson Contreras. They don't really have a, a great replacement at DH for that, but I think they can. I think maybe a guy like Matt Mervis will come. Maybe they'll sign somebody else. Patrick Wisdom could fill that hole, or like we said, maybe it's Magical. Maybe it's yeah. Zach McKinstry, Morrell, whatever else. And offensively, I think when you add Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, and then Eric Hosmer, who, yes, he's not Eric Hosmer five years ago even offensively, but like you said, he's still an above-average first base first baseman, you know, offensively. And then the fact that the Cubs had pretty well below-average production from that spot, it's definitely an improvement. And then Jamison Tyone, uh, you know, pitching, bringing back Drew Smiley was huge as well. Yeah. Wade Miley's really the only pitcher that they lost from la- the, the tail end of last season where, like you said, they were already on a 90-win pace. And then Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, they, they missed more than a month during that stretch, you know, in the second half of the season. Kyle Hendricks didn't pitch at all. There are a lot of ifs here. There, yeah. There's a bunch of ifs where things need to go right if the Cubs for the Cubs to make the playoffs, for the Cubs to win 90, 92 games. These things do need to go right, but the ifs are much better than they were last season. Yeah. When, what if Jonathan VR does pretty well? What if Angelton Simmons and Nico Horner, one of them emerges and takes the shortstop and the other you know, is really good at second base? What if Nick Madrigal stays healthy? There, there, were, mo- there were more what-if questions I felt yep. like last season with the roster, and the what-if questions this year have a much bigger impact. What if Cody Bellinger turns in a great season, an MVP-level season? What if Kyle Hendricks stays healthy and reverts back to his 2020 or prior form? Like, these are huge potential ripple effects on the roster if these things come to fruition. So there are still question marks. This isn't a World Series or bust type of roster at the moment, I think particularly in the lineup and in the bullpen for me. But I think that the if questions are just a lot more stable and much higher upside. And I think, too, the, the thing you have to look at is the division that they play in, yeah. right? The Brewers had a lot of turnover. Hunter Renfro's gone. Uh, Brent Suter's gone. Colton Wong's gone. A lot of different guys that are gone. And they've replaced them with a lot of interesting guys, right? William Contreras. But how's all this thing? Wade Miley. Wade Miley. How yeah. are all these things going to match for the Brewers? It's going to be a question mark. The Cardinals, we saw their deficiencies, especially in the playoffs and late in the second half last year, where they struggled offensively. They, you know they have Nolan Arnott and you know they have Paul Goldschmidt, and they had Wilson Contreras, but a lot of their offensive pieces are very can be very streaky hitters. So there's a lot of, you know, if things break your way, you might potentially be in a division hunt. At that point, you're in the playoffs. Anything could happen. So, yeah, it, it's not to just to write them off, even though that they're, 
yeah, if they win 86 games, that might be good enough for the division, just given how the rest of the division is, and we know what the Reds and Pirates are, where they're at. So there's a lot of interesting questions, just given the, the landscape around them and not just what the Cubs are doing in-house. Yeah, and I think, like, short-term, I, I agree with you 100%, too. Like, the Cardinals, I'm really curious to see how no Yachty Molina impacts them and that pitching staff moving forward. Yeah. Like, we know, what obviously, what Wilson Contreras will bring to the table there, but Yachty, they've always said, is a coach and a leader on the field. Having him not there for 130-plus games behind the plate every season, I'm just, I, I'm curious how that's going to be in 2023 and then beyond. Also, long-term, I think the Cubs, it's fair for the Cubs to feel good about their long-term standing in this division because they have some of these prospects that are coming up. Like, Mm -hmm. Jordan Walker and the Cardinals is probably going to be a big problem in this division for a while, maybe even in 2023 or early on. But the Cubs, you know, maybe Mervis is a guy, maybe Brandon Davis is able to stay healthy. Again, these are maybes. It's essentially all prospects are maybes. But, you know, does Hayden Wesneski come up and end up being like a 200-strikeout guy in the next year or two? He certainly flashed that potential yeah. towards the end of last season. You know, immaculate inning and all of that. So I, I think the Cubs have obviously built a foundation here and then seeing what they do. Like, does Suzuki take that next step? Does Dansby Swanson, you know, take even another step offensively? Is Cody Bellinger, you know, like we said, there are... There are a lot of question marks here, but I think they're they're just a lot more intriguing question marks. And to be honest, I'd probably take the Cubs question marks over some of these other teams. Yeah. Like the Cardinals, can Jack Flaherty stay healthy? Well, for a couple of years, he really hasn't been. Yeah. So would you rather have that or Kyle Hendricks? Given the state of the Cubs rotation, I'd rather have the Cubs rotation. And their best pitcher in the second half, arguably, Jose Quintana, is, is now with the New York right. Mets. So that's right. another arm that they lose. There's a lot of question marks within the, the just the pitching side of the Cardinals that Yes, they might be able to hit 10 home runs in a game, but they, are they going to give up 11 home runs kind of thing? Like, that's the question mark that I think is, is going to be just as big for the Cardinals. All right, so I think right now I would still have Cardinals above the Cubs, yeah. but I think the gap has certainly narrowed quite mm-hmm. a bit. So, Andy, I'll throw it to you. As of right now, are the Cubs a playoff team in 2023, in one of the three wildcard spots or in the division? I think their, their path to being a playoff team comes from the division. Because I just think you look at the you look at the wild card, and yes, the Brewers are contending with the Phillies, but I just think the the talent gap between the Cubs and the Phillies and and the the Mets and the the Braves are still a little too far away. The Padres too in the wild card. Mm. That competing for the wild card maybe isn't their best avenue. Competing for the division, I think, is where their chance at a playoff comes. And I think they're they're not too far away. Uh, I'm not penciling them in by any means that they can they can win the division, but I think come August and September there will be meaningful baseball games being played at Wrigley Field across the street. Yeah, which is obviously a noticeable difference than just the last couple of years. Yeah. So, And then, you know, in 2020, they were playing meaningful games in August and September, but fans weren't there to see yeah. it. So this could be the first time since 2019 that we're seeing that. Again, we'll see how it all plays out. To me, I think that the Cubs will be in the playoff race. I, I'm not going so far as to say, yes, they're definitely a playoff team because everything you brought up, I think, is, is a great point. National League has so much talent. Yeah. Got even more talent, obviously, this offseason. Depending on how this Carlos Correa situation shakes out, I can't look at, assuming he goes to the Mets, can't look at the Mets roster and the Cubs roster and say that the Cubs would beat out the Mets for a wild card spot right, right now. Like, right. on paper, it would be really tough to do. And then, you know, is it the Mets or the Braves in the in the East? And then the Phillies, or, you know what I mean? Like, and it's really difficult. And then you look difficult. at the West, the Padres and, and Dodgers, and the, the Diamondbacks were, I mean, we talk about the second half that the Cubs had, but the Diamondbacks yeah. had just as good of a second half in, in 2022 that they're a team up on the rise. So 
I'm right there with you that this yeah. NL is just loaded from top to bottom. And I think Cubs fans have seen enough from the Milwaukee Brewers over the last few years to know that you will not count that <laughs> no. out, especially while they may not have Josh Hader, but they have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Christian Yelich, some of these other guys for sure. So they'll be a, a factor. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say yes for the sure for the Cubs, but even a 12-win improvement, which we said is probably modest and realistic, 86 wins. Last year, the Phillies had 87 wins and made it all the way to the World Series. So like getting into that, that playoff bracket is really all the Cubs need to do, and, and I think they're just a lot closer to that now than when the, the regular season ended. Uh, so, Andy, there's still a bit of offseason left before spring training starts. We talked a little bit about it just in the bullpen, but like, where do you see the any other moves for the Cubs to possibly make in free agency or in trade or whatever else to augment this roster before the first Cactus League game? Yeah, I think the big thing is for sure bullpen depth. I think, like we said, the veterans, I think that's big. I think we're also we might also see some veteran minor league additions at depth positions on the offensive side on the pitching side. I think that's we've seen it a little bit with like Ben Deluzio signed a minor league contract, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. A speedy guy plays great defense. I think you know if you need the depth, the, the defensive help, I think that's a guy that could come up and, and serve you and, and benefit your team. There's some interesting guys at the minor league level that the Cubs have right now. David Bodie. If the Cubs want to bring him back up and in the pinch, if there's some injuries, Esteban Quiros, he played pretty well from the left-handed side. That that could benefit. I think there will be guys like that that are brought in that could elevate the raise the floor of guys at AAA. That if someone goes down, we've seen it plenty of times where these grand lineup predictions that we have are all fine and dandy until someone gets hurt, and then okay, who's next? What's next? Right. And having that guy, maybe not the next guy, but the guy after that to have that cover, I think is is just as important as who's starting. Uh, on day one at that position. Yeah, and again, the Mervis question, too, is like, when does he come up, or, yep. or does he come up for sure this year? And if so, you know, does he play DH with Hosmer around? Or, uh, you know, again, the Cubs haven't invested a ton in Hosmer, so if it doesn't work out, they could potentially move yep. on quickly if Mervis forced the issue. There are a lot of questions with that. And, and, yeah, I mean, some nice depth in there, too. Like, maybe Brennan Davis ends up playing a decent yeah. amount on the outfield. Alexander Canario or Miguel Amaya have both dealt with injuries. Maybe they return to health and become factors. So. And I... I, I I think this is just me purely speculating, but I think there's maybe an outside chance if things go your way that Pete Crow Armstrong maybe come September could theoretically be a call-up. I think he could start the year in Double A if he does really, really well. I mean, there's a chance that maybe you could see him at the end of the year. If not, probably most definitely in 2024 at some point. So I think there's there's a lot of optimism and a lot of guys that could potentially come up from the minor league level. Some of these prospects that you had heard of that seemed a million miles away that maybe they're they're getting a little closer. Yeah, definitely. And I do think, too, like we were talking about with the bullpen, I think adding another reliever makes sense, yeah. probably maybe even a couple. And guys that don't necessarily have to take 40-man spots, but guys that you know are, are maybe on, uh, like Jesse Chavez, who I think was yeah. a minor league signing, or Stephen Brault were minor league signings last year, ended up pitching for the big league club and, and making the roster, you know, Chavez an opening day, for example. But I think some of those moves could be out there, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get another left-handed, stable reliever who can pitch alongside Brandon Hughes. Mm-hmm. Then you're not necessarily having to wonder the what-ifs on Anthony Kay or Eric Stout or some of these other lefties that they signed to minor league deals. So uh, definitely still some possible moves, but as of right now, like we said, this roster is pretty much done, we think. Yeah. Maybe a big trade will come out here or there too. But, Andy, we're, we're looking at Cubs convention this weekend. First time since 2020. So first time in three years that Cubs convention is going to be back. What are you looking forward to most about it? What's well, my first? It'll be my first time at Cubs convention. So that from a, from a pure, just taking it all in standpoint, just going to a first Cubs convention is the big thing. But I think for fans to interact with some of these new guys, Dansby Swanson, mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger, 
This will be the first time that they've been able to do that. And realistically, like Nico Horner, the last time he was at Cubs convention, who I mean, Nico Horner was just this guy who had a great 2019. Yeah. Now he's a gold glove caliber player. He's a star. Ian Happ, same thing. Like seeing these guys have their moments at Cubs convention, I think will be huge. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, yeah, 2019, was Hap was down in the minors yeah. for much of the year, you know, with Nico Horner. Horner came off the couch and played the yeah. last five, six weeks, whatever it was. So, yeah, I, I agree. So much has changed since then. So I'm just looking forward to that. And then my favorite part is always the kids-only press conference <laughs> yeah. at the convention. I love the questions kids ask, and I love the, the interactions with players. And it usually elicits some sort of funny moment or, or funny story that, like, because they just ask in a different way than you yeah. or I or other reporters are. And I feel like players are more willing to to talk about some things or like let their guard down and show their personality and emotion a bit more. So I'm always looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really, really cool. We're going to have a lot of really cool interviews from the, the Cubs convention as well uh, on this podcast here. We'll probably space them out over the next few podcasts for sure. So uh, that'll do it for this week's edition, though. For Andy, I'm Tony. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we are presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app or YouTube. Thanks for watching and tuning in.